Welcome to Church Online today. It's so good to have you with us as we're continuing our series called Sorry, Not Sorry. And what we're doing is we're exploring the four major values of Thrive Church. If you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 15, Acts 15 verse 36. You know, in the human experience, many of us have a failure to do something. It's failure to account for the variable. You're like, what does that mean? We're not in science class. We're here to study the Bible. Well, here's what that means. It's failure to account for the variable, meaning that many times we will write a a paper for school, and you've done this, right? Only to have your computer crash and not get the paper in on time. You never factored in that computer could crash, even though you knew in the back of your mind this could happen. The other day that happened to me, on the road that I live on, they're doing road work there, and I knew they were doing road work. I knew it could possibly make me late for a meeting that I had, but guess what? I didn't factor in the variable road work that could mess up the journey. And so you've probably experienced this in your life where you're like, man, I did not factor in the variable. And what I want to talk to you about today is a variable that affects all of us that we usually never account for, and we're surprised when it happens to us. As a matter of fact, this variable happened to one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, if not the, the greatest leader besides Jesus in the New Testament, who was the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 15, Luke, a doctor, a Greek doctor, uh, recorded the history of the early church. And he records in Acts 15 a disagreement between two major church leaders, Paul and Barnabas. Now, to lead you up to this point, here's what had happened. Uh, The apostle Paul was a Jew. He got saved, gave his life to Christ, surrendered to Christ, and began to preach to non-Jews. And the whole dispute in the book of Acts and mostly the New Testament was, what did non-Jews have to do to be fully saved? which was believe on Christ. That's the criteria, right? To to be saved. So Paul and Barnabas have this ministry together to non-Jews, what they call Gentiles. They're traveling, they're working together, they're doing ministry together, they're doing life together. And a matter of fact, Barnabas spoke up for Paul on many occasions to Peter, James, and John, verifying him, validating him, saying, hey, this guy is legit. Why don't you look at Acts 15, what happens with this disagreement with Paul and Barnabas, the variable that happens in relationships. It says in Acts 15, verse 36, it says, After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of God to see how the new believers are doing. So they had been traveling. If you've uh, read Acts chapter 13 and 14, and they had been sharing the gospel with new believers, and, and churches and believers were springing up in areas there were no churches and no believers. That sounds like a good plan. But look at what Barnabas also adds into it. He says, Barnabas agreed. He said he wanted to take along John Mark. That's Mark. But Paul strongly, or disagreed strongly, watch this, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Paul's like, look, bro, Mark's done this once. He deserted us. He left us. He hung us out to dry. I'm not falling for that again. And then it says this, their their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, 
And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled to, through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. What you see there is the variable that, that none of us really account for, and that's that relationships will face this very situation of conflict. See, we have a value called Mills, M-E-A-L-S, Mills at Thrive Church, sharing in Mills together. And we get that from Acts chapter 2, where it talks about the four major things that the early church did. It was prayer and fellowship and listening to the apostles' teaching. And then they say, and then they shared in Mills together. And at Thrive, we are not talking about food here. Food was a vehicle for them to get face-to-face, to talk, to get to know one another. And so at Thrive, we've adopted one of these major values called meals. For the first week, we talked about mission. Every believer is to see their work and their life as a mission field. The next week, we talked about maturity, that, that every believer has a next step in their faith journey. God wants you to mature. Last week, we spoke about multiplication, that ministry has to go beyond Thrive Church and beyond us. And today, I want to talk to you about meals about why it's important not only to have key relationships, but what will come in to destroy them. See, relationships are key in the body of Christ. Even Jesus chose to do life with 12 disciples. The scriptures say that Jesus chose 12. We have this saying at Thrive that Jesus was in a small group, right? Another one of our sayings you hear all the time are circles are better than rows, meaning that doing life with other people is much better than just listening to information. We want to challenge you to continue to move beyond just receiving information in a chair or on your couch to move it into doing life together. So you can follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. As a matter of fact, we're like Voltron. I just went over the heads of probably those who are under the age of 35. But uh, Voltron was this big machine that was separate machines that came together and formed this big robot monster called Voltron. And that's what the body of Christ is like. You and I are like Voltron, right? But the enemy wants to separate us. And many of us never calculate into our, our life that disagreement and conflict is going to enter Even the closest relationships that we have with family, with friends, with church members, even staff members at a church, we just don't factor that in. We kind of think, hey, look, we'll all just get along. It'll all be great. And then when it hits us, the same thing that happened to Paul and Barnabas over Mark will happen to us too. So here's today's big idea. I want you to write this down in your notes. This is critical for us to understand what happened to them can happen to us. And here's what we have to take away from Acts 15. It's this. Calculate conflict into your closest relationships. Calculate conflict into your closest relationships. Don't have the failure to account for the variable. Calculate that conflict will enter it. And we have to learn how to to work with conflict. We have to learn how to deal with conflict in our life. Now, there's, there's two major types of conflict. And the first major type of conflict I want to talk to you about is this. It's healthy conflict. And here's what healthy conflict does. Healthy conflict cleanses. When you really get down to it and you have one of those cleansing conversations, it makes the relationship stronger. See, never trust a marriage that says we don't have any conflict. That means they don't have 
cleansing conflict and they're just building up resentment secretly against each other, then one day they're going to explode. And that's why couples who never deal in a healthy manner with conflict never have strong relationships. That's why friendships will have healthy conflict. And you have to not shy away from conflict. Conflict is not a bad thing, y'all. Conflict can be a great thing for a team, for a marriage, for a parenting, for anything. If you learn to deal with it correctly, healthy conflict begins to cleanse. Uh, I, I had a ministry coach tell me this one time. Uh, and I was working with him several years back. He said, Kevin, you have a problem dealing with conflict in the moment. He said, you just shared two resentful uh, thoughts with me that people made you feel a certain way about something they said. And there was, you know, some pe- people just will say things. I don't, I don't think they know what they're saying. But, um, you know, one person said, well, I don't really like your church. But I believe God called me here to come help it. And I thought, well, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. We don't need your help. That's, that's what I thought. But I didn't say anything to them. I just got angry. And here's what the coach told me. And here's what I've been telling our staff to do with each other, with me, with, with even their spouse, is here's what the coach told me. And this is critical for healthy conflict. He said, you've got to learn to say to that person, I know you didn't mean to make me feel this way when you did this or said this. But here's how it made me feel. And so that's what we have to do with healthy conflict to our spouse. Say, hey, look, honey, I know you didn't mean to make me feel this way. I know that wasn't your intention. But here's how you made me feel. And maybe it was their intention. I don't know. But we give people the benefit of the doubt, right? We extend grace instead of judgment. And so when you go to someone and say, hey, when you sent that email, I know you didn't mean to make me feel this way. But here's how it actually made me feel. It gives the other person an opportunity to understand that they probably have no idea that made you feel that way. They probably have no idea you have all these bottled up feelings of emotion and insecurity and hate. But that's what happens is that whenever you do this here, you end up relieving them to say, oh, I had no clue. And then you can deal with it. But here's the second type of conflict, and it's unhealthy conflict. If healthy conflict cleanses, Unhealthy conflict chases us away. What happened with with Paul and Barnabas? It chased them away to different areas. Now, God ultimately used that, right? But I don't think that was God's original intention to separate this dynamic duo. The unhealthy conflict chased them away. And that's what it does for us as well. When we don't deal with conflict, it will cause us to run away from the person and run away from the issue and leave. And can I tell you this? Now, always say this, you, you will try to either escape or embrace conflict and trials. Too many of us think, if I just run away, it will go away. Here's the truth of the matter. That conflict will follow you everywhere you go. Unhealthy conflict tries to chase us away. The enemy says, leave the marriage, leave the church, leave the relationship, separate yourself. That's what the enemy of our souls whispers in our ears with that, and we have to fight it. And here's why it's so critically important today. This is very important, because if we don't allow for conflict, it will break up key relationships. If we don't allow for conflict, if we don't allow for that variable called conflict to enter in, it's going to separate key relationships. It's separated two of the greatest leaders in the New Testament movement, Paul and Barnabas. 
They didn't, they, they didn't deal with their conflict, and it separated them. You know, I was watching the, this documentary, um, and I love basketball documentaries, right? Just watch The Last Dance, and then I watched this one recently with, with, uh, with, with Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. And, and if you study sports history, the Orlando Magic were never good, right? But when they got Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway and Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott, they had a dream team there, and they had a team that could be poised to win multiple championships. But Shaq and Penny had some disagreements about how things should be done and who got more attention and who was the alpha. So guess what Shaq did? Shaq left and went to Los Angeles. And guess who entered in Los Angeles in the picture? A guy named Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And Shaq and Kobe won three championships, but they had a disagreement. And guess what? Shaq left and he went to Miami. And Shaquille O'Neal said something in that interview that was so telling about this very thing. He said, you know what? I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I was more mature because we could have done something very special in Orlando, but I let disagreement and conflict chase me away to go somewhere else. Guys, that is so true in the body of Christ. We just chase away and we go away and we stick our head in the sand hoping it will all get better. We have to understand that conflict will arise and it can make relationships so much stronger. There was a time in my life that um, conflict between a ministry friend separated my best friend and I. We had a disagreement. Matter of fact, I was part of the team that made the decision to fire my friend on staff. I was a staff member as well. And looking back on it, I wish I never would have made that decision. I never, I never wish I would have inserted myself, even though it dealt with my ministry in that church. But I made a decision for my best friend to be fired. I had to watch my best friend. Again, we had a pastor who, you know, again, he was doing the best he knew how to do, wasn't doing a good job. He brought him up in front of the whole church and put his arm around him. And he said, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to fire him, but he's going to stay at this church. And and it was just like the most humiliating thing I've ever watched somebody had to go through. My friend was sobbing up there. He was crying. It was done totally wrong. And I was a part of that. And he was very angry at me to the point that we didn't talk for several months. You remember, this is my best friend. We roomed in college together. We traveled in a band together. We did ministry. To, it was like Paul and Barnabas. So, you know, we, we call ourselves the sons of thunder from you know, the scripture, John and James. Like, you know, uh, and we still uh, joke to this day about it. And it separated us. I'll never forget whenever I released my first book, uh, I, I called my friend, and of course he didn't answer. Uh, we didn't do texting back then. Yes, I showed my age. But I called him and I said, hey, I want to tell you that I love you, and I'm sorry for what happened. And I have a, a my copy of my book, and I would love to give you one. And i never forget that day he rode up on his motorcycle, and we went outside, and we talked and we cried because we had separated from ministry due to that one disagreement. And guys, can I tell you, if I had to do it over again, and if Shaq had to do it over again, and probably if you had to do it over again, you would say, I'm not going to let conflict and misunderstandings and miscommunication separate me from what God has called me to do. We've got to calculate for conflict in our closest relationships. Here's what we have to do. Here's what I have to do and you have to do. If we're going to overcome this, if we're going to live out the value of meals at Thrive Church and doing life together at Thrive Church, here's your next step. 
resolve your conflicts to see God's purposes come to pass. Resolve your conflicts to see God's purposes come to pass. Because I wonder how many of God's purposes have been thwarted by the enemy because we've allowed offense, misunderstanding, jealousy, being hurt that we never dealt with. And I want to help you with that because I want to see God's purposes come to pass in your life. I want to see you do everything that God has called you to do. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 4 verse 9, I want you to look what Paul wrote. Because Paul eventually resolved his conflict with Mark. We don't know how. We don't know where. We don't know what happened. But in 2 Timothy 4, Paul is writing his last words that we'll ever hear. If you ever want to read the, the, the last words of somebody who did something great and what they focused on, I want you to look at this. Because everybody knew in his circle and in the New Testament church that Paul wanted nothing to do with Mark. The guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, I mean, wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, Luke, he knew it. Everybody knew it. And I want you to look at what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, one of the most telling situations of resolved conflict ever in Scripture. He says, Timothy, please come to me as soon as you can. Paul's in a Roman prison, and he's going to be executed any day now. They're not sure when. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. His friend Demas loved the pleasures of the world and deserted him. He says, Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Even Titus leaves. There's a, there's a letter in the New Testament Paul wrote to Titus. But he says this, only Luke is with me. Now watch this. Bring Mark with you when you come. Now Timothy's probably saying, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. Number one, like, like I remember the story of you and Barnabas, the dynamic duo splitting because you said John Mark was useless. And now you want me to bring him? You want, you want me to bring Mark there? I mean, Paul has to eat his words. And if you read Paul's letters, Paul was not a guy who liked to eat his words, right? He was very, very straightforward. And he's telling Timothy, when you come to this prison in Rome, bring Mark with you. And this is what he says. For he will be helpful to me in my ministry. We don't know where Barnabas is at this point. We don't know if Barnabas had been martyred at this point. We don't know where he is in the picture. But we know one thing. That conflict got resolved. Because now Paul sees Mark as useful to the ministry. Paul ended up resolving it. And can I tell you something? Here's how important it was. Are you ready for this? And this is what's so important for us to resolve conflicts. Mark, this very Mark, this same Mark goes on to interview Peter and sit down with Peter and hear Peter's account of Jesus' life. And it's called the Gospel of Mark. So if you don't believe that resolving conflict 
can result in God's purposes come coming to pass. We have the gospel of Mark, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the reason we have the gospel of Mark is because the apostle Paul said, you know what, I'm now going to bring this guy into ministry with me. And let me just say this about Barnabas. Kudos to Barnabas for hanging in there with Mark. And kudos for those people who have hung in there with me when I've not been at my best. And kudos for those people who have hung in there with you when you're not at your best because we have... Mark, and we have the gospel of Mark because of that very thing. So here's what I want to do over the next few minutes that we have. I want to help you with some things that have helped me resolve your conflicts. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to separate key relationships, and you may miss God's purposes because you always, God's purposes are always attached to other people. You're not a solo lone ranger. So here's the first thing you've got to do. How do we resolve conflicts? Talk to them and not about them. Talk to them and not about them. Like I shared with our staff about triangular relationships. When one staff comes to me and they're complaining about another staff member, and if they're complaining and they're trashing another staff member, I'm going to push them back to that person, right? That you're not going to come and say, I don't like so-and-so, and they're this, and they're that. You're going to deal with that, and I'm not going to. And I'm going to give you 72 hours to deal with it, or we're going to meet together. And if I have to meet with you both, it may not be pretty. Because what we do so many times is we even talk to people who can't help us with the situation, and it gets them riled up. So you go to somebody else, and you're talking trash about this person over here, and now they're mad at that person, and that person's done nothing to them. Now, if you want to go get advice of how to deal with the issue, that's one thing. But talk to them, not about them. Remember, we have this saying at Thrive, if you're at odds with people, you're at odds with God. So you think you're a little, you know, serving, showing up on Sundays, lifting your hands during worship, giving some offerings and tithes. You think that's cute and while you're still resentful and offended at somebody. But Jesus says, if you realize that you're at odds with people, then you're at odds with God. You need to go deal with it because God doesn't want to, God doesn't think your little serving's cute and what you're doing's cute. He wants you to deal with the resentment inside of your heart. He wants you to deal with that offense. He wants you to deal with that conflict. And if you don't talk to people, you're going to talk about people. And what you're going to do is actually alienate yourself from your Heavenly Father. So talk to them, not about them. Here's the second thing you've got to do. Allow people to have opinions. Like, it's okay. I think one of the greatest things during the coronavirus and, man, everything with the political season that we're in, it will test you to see if you're okay with somebody having an opinion. Just let them have it. To quit being the Justice League that you're going to correct everybody on the Internet and everybody's going to... Here's what's happened with so many people. You think that you're going to save the world with your post on social media. You're actually alienating people on social media you're not helping them you're actually hurting them and i think in life you've got to learn to let people have opinions about things my wife and i have different opinions about things different opinions about politics sometimes different opinions about you know how to spend the money sometimes i mean there's different opinions and the hardest thing for us we want everybody's opinions to line up with our opinions and we don't get our way with our opinions you know what we do what Paul and Barnabas did. We just go our separate ways because you're not letting me have my opinions. Here's the truth of the matter about opinions. I say this all the time to our staff. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody has a few, and yes, some of them stink. And it's okay for people to have opinions. You've got to realize something about this. And here's what I've also had. Here's what another ministry coach told me. They say, Kevin, stop giving unsolicited advice. And I've said this before to you. 
that you need to stop trying to give advice to people who have opinions where they're not asking your opinion about something. Let, just let them have opinions. Let them believe what they're going to believe about things and be mature about that. Here's the final thing today I want you to understand about resolving conflict. Be okay with saying, I am sorry. I don't know why we're so bent on saying, if I say I'm sorry, then it means they're right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean their actions were right. But sometimes you've got to be the bigger person in your marriage, in your relationship, in your working relationship, and just say, hey, look, I'm sorry. When somebody comes, remember what I said earlier, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I know you didn't mean to make me feel like this, whatever it is, when you did this, but here's how it made me feel. Don't get defensive. The first thing you need to do as a mature adult, which, wow, um, we don't get better as we age. We only get worse if we don't deal with our issues as a mature adult, which we should all be, is say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I never made you, I never meant to make you feel that way. I care for you. I want the best for you. And you know what? Please forgive me. That wasn't my intention. Here's what my intention really was. If we all did that, could you imagine how healthy our lives would be? If we just learned to be open and honest and transparent and not let the enemy of our souls chase us away and remove us from situations where God wants to use us, just because we're so scared of this word called conflict, it's not a curse word. It's actually a good thing. Healthy conflict cleanses. Unhealthy conflict will chase us away. Do you know that scar tissue is actually stronger than regular tissue? Do you know why that is? Because scar tissue has actually had some moments where it's been hurt. It's went through an injury. It's been cut on, whatever it has happened. And it healed up and it's stronger than it was before. You need to operate with scar tissue in your relationships. Some of you have allowed resentment to separate relationships. And God doesn't think it's cute that you continue to do what you do for, for him while ignoring that. You need to learn to go to somebody and say, hey, look, I just need to clear the, just clear the air. I know you didn't mean, mean to make me feel that way when you did this, but here's how it made me feel. Some of you need to go and say, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is for you, but don't let, what, don't let a John Mark come in between you and your Barnabas or your Paul in life where God wants to use, and it may even be a church where the enemy has come in to get you away from an environment that could help you. So I'm going to be praying for you, and I hope you will take your next step by, by, by resolving conflicts in your life. And if you will, stay tuned for next steps here.